The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Monday, friends. Happy, happy Monday. First Monday in June. How about that? Yeah, it's already... I know we started June last week, but it's a new week the first full week of this month, and there's stuff going on. There's good stuff, there's bad stuff, there's crazy stuff that happened over the weekend, and we have a lot to discuss today. We have much to discuss today. I'm hoping to get a call from our friend in London, Simon Owen. He reports on Fox News Radio. He's a guy you hear giving some updates all the time. Um, and I've I've come to uh, be a phone pal with Simon, so I asked him to call this morning. And we are going to talk to Dr. Wendy because it's a Monday, and Dr. Wendy is going to join us to point out some of the things in the hypocrisy of the progressives of this world. So I'm looking forward to that. That's in the third hour. Uh, we're going to have some fun with Al Sharpton today. It has been so long. Do you know, Al Sharpton, when he used to have a daily show, I actually used to enjoy watching Al Sharpton at 5 o'clock in the evenings because when he would do a live TV show, he would destroy words and names on a regular basis. And now that Al Sharpton does a show on Sundays, now that they've taken away his daily show, and they put him on Sundays, he really doesn't make mistakes too much. Except when we have something horrible happen and he has to do the show live, which is apparently what happened this past weekend. And of course, that leads us to a golden Al Sharpton moment. It's just wonderful. I know it's schadenfreude. And uh, let's see. uh, So we have Dr. Wendy in the third hour. We have hopefully Simon Owen this hour. Uh, At the bottom of this hour, I believe we're going to hear from Eric Stackelbeck. Eric Stackelbeck, a guy you may have remembered from the early days of the Blaze television, and now he's involved uh, with a, a really important project with uh, KUFI, Christians United uh, for Israel. So Eric is uh, Eric's going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. He's the director of Christians United for Israel's Watchman Project. 
it's on Friday nights on TBN. So uh, we'll, I want to talk to Eric because Eric understands a lot about what's going on, not just in, in Israel, but also in, in London. Eric was the guy who introduced me to the radical Islamic cleric Adnan Chowdhury, a guy who the Brits eventually locked up. But for decades, he was encouraging people to abuse the system in London. Well, they didn't consider it abusing it, but it technically was. He wanted uh, radical Islamists to populate London to the point where they would flood the social services needs. It's the old uh, top-down, bottom-up that, that um, Cloud and Piven gave us. It's that theory, that if you, if you just have enough kids and you put them all on welfare, you'll eventually overwhelm the system. and It will fall within itself, collapse on itself. Chowdhury was the guy who considered the British welfare system the payment to the Islamists by the infidels. But uh, Eric Stackelbeck, be on with us at the bottom of the hour to talk about that whole story. If you want to join the conversation, you should. 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. If there's a, a topic that we missed that you want to discuss, of course, we'll get to it. The president uh, started a bit of a press conference as we began the show He's announcing some, some new changes. I, I think this is going to be um, related to the infrastructure programs he'd like to get going, but he also wants to privatize air traffic control. I don't know if I want to hear about uh, air traffic control and all the problems our current air traffic control system has on a day when I'm supposed to be flying in just a few hours. I don't know if I needed that today, Mr. President. You know, so may, maybe maybe not the day you could have done that, sir. Well, there, you know, we're not going to change it. We can't get, can't get away from it. Uh, so it's going to be a busy day. Lots of topics. And there's a bunch of crazy news. There's a whole bunch of crazy news out there as well. I, I'm not just talking about crazy news when I talk about uh, London and the shooting in Orlando this morning, which currently... Currently, we believe actually is or was workplace violence. This is or was workplace violence. So let's not let's not panic about Orlando yet. Nobody make any uh, quick decisions, any rash decisions on that. It just just could be based on what we're seeing. The case of a former employee, a guy who was fired, uh, I think they said two months ago. Going nuts. Not good anyway. Either way, it's a terrible situation. Oh, is he on? He's on. Okay. Joining us from London, Simon Owen, who you may have seen reporting on, on everything last week from, uh, from Manchester and this week from London. He works usually Monday through Friday, so he hasn't had a weekend off in a couple of, uh, couple of weekends, and God knows when it when he will get one, but Simon is uh, on the phone. Simon, I guess, I guess you were in fact hoping, hoping you would get a uh, a long weekend sometime soon. <laughs> it would be nice at some point to get one, but uh, but but not to be. No, it's not. It, it, I'm I'm 
my heart bleeds and cries and feels pain for my friends in London. We have we have several. We're not we're not like an international couple, but we've been there a few times. So when when something happens and we go, God, we've been there. We know that area. And when you hear about uh, you hear about the section where the uh, the restaurants were and the attack happened. You say, Wow, you know that could have been. And you don't want to be that guy, but you know it, so you feel the pain for the people. Oh, what's London feeling like today? Yeah, I mean, and I think it is a common sentiment for people. If it is somewhere that is relatable to, then it does bring it home, the, the danger that potentially is out there. And, and we're learning a little more about uh, the people who were caught up in the violence on Saturday night. Seven people killed, 48 injured. Uh, and we're told from various governments around the world that people from Spain, Australia, and France are at least feared to have been caught up in this. And the first person killed to be identified uh, is a 30-year-old from, from Canada. So uh, this is a, a, a cosmopolitan, diverse area. Many people would have been out visiting, I suppose. In London, also many locals would have been out as well. And you have to assume that it's probably why it was targeted. Uh, it was just after... 10 p.m. On, on Saturday evening uh, in this area, which is, for those who don't know it, it's called Borough. It's right next to London Bridge. It's on the south side of the River Thames, but it's pretty much central London. And uh, particularly at the weekend, it's an area for socializing. Lots of bars, pubs, and, and restaurants there. Uh, this attack began when a group we now know of three men drove a van into pedestrians on London Bridge. They then crashed the van, got out, and began, by the looks of things, walking quite calmly between pubs and, and restaurants and with large knives simply slashing out at people mm -hmm. and stabbing people as well. Uh, seven people were killed. Uh, the latest count, I think, is actually, I say 48, I think it's 36 are still in the hospital, and, and the officials are saying that 21 people are critically injured. The attackers were all shot dead by police and the police here are being widely praised for their response to this because from the first emergency calls they received within eight minutes all three attackers were dead that's remarkable we we heard that here and we just went just for the fact that in the past we've seen how long it takes to track down some of these guys when they get away but that simon that that reality of the remarkable fast response from your first responders, your London police, to the stories we've heard of people in those restaurants defending themselves and fighting against those attackers. I have to tell you, there's there's bravery and courage that I don't know if I could do the same. I, I might be running the other direction, but the stories are harrowing. The Now we're hearing, I have to also praise your prime minister, and I know she's in the middle of the election. I'm not taking sides. But for her to hold tough on not giving out the names of those people, because if you look at social media, and you do, if you guys don't follow Simon, he's at Big S.O. on Twitter. The social media is saying, why don't we know the names? Why don't we know? Because London is handling this. Let them handle it. And so I'm, I'm really happy that that you guys are being tough and tight with information on this. How often do you get updates? Uh, well, from the various authorities, it's as stuff becomes available and is made made available. What we've heard in the last hour or so is that the police have said that they 
uh, have now identified all three attackers, and the Prime Minister has said that when it is, as you say, when it's suitable for the operation, they will do that. You often get conspiracy theorists. I, I get it on social media as well. This is a plot. They're keeping the name secret. They're not. It's an effort to uh, give the police a bit of a head start uh, when they're tracking down suspected accomplices. Uh, we know the identity of one of the attackers, uh, we think. We're not broadcasting it yet at the request of the police because, you know, there is an, an understanding there that this gives them a chance. If you put the names out there, then all their associates can hit the ground and, and disappear. I suspect the names will be published probably in the next few hours. They, they don't tend to hang around with, with this sort of thing. It's just to give the police a bit of a head start. And, yeah, you talk about some of those stories of, of bravery, uh, and, and it is interesting. You know, I was down at the scene yesterday, and you hear some extraordinary things. You know, police are talking about one off-duty officer who just finished his shift and was having a drink with friends. Uh, he was seriously injured after tackling the three terrorists with his bare hands. And these were heavily armed men with, with big blades, I say. Uh, another officer who was on duty confronted the group. He only had a baton as defence. Uh, he was also seriously injured. We heard about a baker who was working and heard a commotion outside, left his bakery and struck one of the attackers over the head with a crate before returning to the bakery and giving about 20 people shelter and pulling the shutters down. Um, this is the sort of thing where, you know, we, we are starting to hear, as I say, that the, the identities of some of those caught up. And, and, and so far, uh, in the, 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 the statement from the family of the 30-year-old Canadian woman who was killed, you know, their call is for unity, for people to uh, not be scared, not be confrontational about this. Uh, but in this case, she was somebody who worked for a homeless shelter. And so this family is saying, why don't you go and volunteer at a homeless shelter uh, as a way to, to remember her? That's the sort of message. It's messages of compassion is broadly what we're hearing. I spoke to a lot of people yesterday um, who were shocked and baffled about what had happened. Uh, some said the authorities are, are not doing enough on terror suspects. But, but all the people I spoke to said, this will not change our way of life. Thank you, Simon Owen. Simon Owen in London, our buddy and uh, also just a hell of a reporter. We appreciate you, sir. Have a great day and God bless London. Thanks a lot. There he goes, Simon Owen. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he is at Big S.O., Big S.O., which I think is kind of funny because he's not exactly a big guy. He's, he's diminutive. Little guy, as it were. But Simon Owen, uh, he, he was last week in Manchester. This week he was on the ground all over the event, the unfortunate event in London, which was terrorism, unlike from what we're hearing this morning in uh, Orlando. Although, because we've been monitoring the terrorist attacks since the start of Ramadan, the holy month of Ramadan, and we still have, I think, about two and a half weeks left in Ramadan, uh, there was one apparently in Australia today, and there is a report of a wedding in Spain where a man yelled Allahu Akbar and went charging at the priest. So that's a little disturbing, to say the least. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, uh, again, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm anticipating there's no big deal that came out of the Orlando I hate to say it's just workplace violence because four people ended up being killed and then the attacker reportedly turned the gun on himself. So uh, much more to come in that story. Stepping aside for a break. When we get back, oh, I got a couple of different stories to get to before Eric Stackelbeck joins us at the bottom of the hour. This is Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. 
Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know, we have a couple things to discuss today. We will we will be talking with Eric Stackelbeck right around the corner, uh, not just about Israel and what's been going on with the possibility to move the, the capital from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, because that's important to a lot of Christians, a lot of evangelicals. But uh, we're also going to talk about that problem with chronic pain. I'm talking about relief factor. I am now finishing up three months, three months of, of relief factor, basically 13 weeks. And I'm taking it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Relief factor is all natural. It's an anti-inflammatory. It comes packaged so that you just put the packages in your in your computer bag or your purse or wherever, your tackle box when you go fishing, and you take them at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. One packet, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. In, in my case, I had pain every single day, basically. Knees, hips, back from years of running. And I'm in my late 50s, so guess what? I had pain. I thought it was the reality. Well, I stopped taking over-the-counter painkillers. I don't take prescription drugs at all. And I started taking Relief Factor. I got the three-week quick start pack. It's $19.95. Eight days later, I'm seeing all this, all this irritation from the inflammation go away. No pain. I'm not taking anything. Nothing. So why are you waiting? Call them. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. Eight three eight four. It is Relief Factor. If you want to know more, go to relieffactor.com. All right. So where do we go? We got a we got a couple of different things going on here today, and um, one of them has to do with some really awful, stupid stuff said by uh, Mika Brzezinski and and Joe Scarborough, and we talk about respecting the presidency, and in the case of Mika and Joe. I just don't know if they ever will. They'll, they used Trump when he first started, but now, now it's, it's really all about making fun of Donald Trump. And last week, after Sean Spicer gave that ridiculous explanation about Kofefe, uh, these two went on television and were so insulting to the president, I, I almost couldn't believe I was hearing it. Listen to this. No, nobody no, knew what he meant. Sorry. Nobody he knows really what he means. D- what is that like, Joe? Oh, he does. I don't know. I would never do that. <laughs> I think I would you rather said eat. something before the I show would that really kind of like summed it up. Uh-oh. You know what you uh, said. What was that? You said it's like... What did I say? It's like... Like... Oh! Oh! Oh, <laughs> Like a yes, kid pooping yes. their pants and then saying I meant to do that. that. <laughs> yeah. 
So Mika says that Joe, before the program, compared Trump and Kofefe to a kid pooping his pants and then saying, I meant to do that. But they didn't let it go there. <laughs> well, yes, I, it, it's, it would be like somebody pooping their pants and then people looking at it and saying, oh, that's modern art. Don't you understand? I am making a statement against Russian aggression uh, in, in, in Crimea. Wow. And so this is wow. my statement. And if you don't get it, and we then there's something wrong with you and not me. Uh, Thank you, Spicy. Everybody knew what it You meant. go, I'm going to make another statement, and I'm going to sit down in my pants. And it, is, it will then be modern art. And I will hang it on your wall. And this passes for entertainment and, and news programming on MSNBC. Can you imagine if anybody talked about something Barack Obama did and said he pooped his pants and said he meant to do that? I know. I know. All right, I'll take a break. We'll be back with Eric Stackelbeck next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, we're waiting on uh, Eric Stackelback. He's uh, not answering his phone, which means he's probably busy doing something. And we'll see. We we connected on Friday, so I'm sure he's out there. I'm sure he's going to be speaking with us shortly. And if not today, we'll move him a, a day or so. I saw something over the weekend that I, I don't think anybody picked up on, or at least it wasn't a gigantic bit of news. Uh, it, it was um, it was the NCAA college rugby. NCAA means college, Mike. It was the NCAA rugby championship. And uh, I, I know it's kind of bizarre, but I'm a, a rugby fan. We had rugby at our school in high school. And something that a lot of people didn't have in high school because it was either football or nothing. And uh, rugby became a thing in the, in the 70s in our high school, and it kind of stuck with me. So whenever the uh, college rugby championships are played, they, they seem to be played here in the East, and uh, they take place at uh, Penn, University of Pennsylvania, in Philly. And it's a fascinating game because it doesn't take a lot of time. You can see a lot of great sports action. And uh, if you spend a little time and figure out rugby, it's a fascinating game. But something, something special happened over the last month in the, in the world of college rugby, in the world of the upper tier of college rugby. And it was a little bit of a tragedy, and yet there's some inspiration that can be drawn from it. University of California has a player named Robert Paler. And um, Robert Paler, one of the members of this team, there's so many stars on that team, so many great players. He was playing for the team, Cal, and um, he, he ended up 
in a, um, a bad hit on May 6th. So it's really not even a month, just shy of a month. He got a hit that paralyzed him just below the chest. And Robert was taken and, um, well, he had surgery. And he's, he's now going to have to deal with the rehabilitation. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you the, the rest of the story because I understand uh, we have um, Eric Stackelbeck on the phone. And I, I don't want to lose him because he's, <laughs> he's a very busy man. So we'll get back to the story of Robert Paler because it's an, it's an impossibly important story. I can't stress it enough. Eric, I appreciate you. We had time zone confusion, and you're here now, and I'm happy you're here. How are you, sir? It's been too long. Hey, Mike, I'm great. I am so sorry. It was my fault with the time zone confusion. I'm kind of upside down after this London attack uh, on Saturday, uh, as I know we'll discuss today. But great to be back with you. Oh, it's great to hear from you. If If you guys don't remember, Eric... Early days of the blaze, Eric was uh, around us all the time, on with us all the time. He's very busy now as the director of Christians United for Israel's Watchman Project, which is uh, also puts him on TV every Friday night at 10.30 Eastern on TBN, The Watchman Show. So I know how busy you are, Eric. I was telling people earlier that you were the guy who introduced me to Adnan Chowdhury and the, I think he's in jail now, the cleric who was yes. for years advocating Muslims come to London, overpopulate the place, and, and tear it down from within. And every time yeah. I see a terror attack and a report like we got this weekend, I think about your early interviews with Adnan Chowdhury, and I still get a yeah. chill up my spine when I, <laughs> when I hear him talking to you. Uh, yeah, Mike, you... it's, 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 yeah, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's so interesting that you bring him up. I think of him, too, Anjum Chowdhury, every time. And we highlighted those interviews on The Blaze back in the day, Mike, as you said. But I think of him, too, every time there's an attack in the U.K. He is in prison, but just a few minutes ago, I read a piece on foxnews.com, actually, uh, saying that he still, his teaching, his preaching may have inspired one, at least one of these attackers from Saturday night. So Anjum Chowdhury, uh, he's like a jihadi vampire. His, uh, his reach extends even beyond the jail cell and is still radicalizing young Muslims in London, in the UK today. Well, I wonder, and, and, and thank you for, I, I tripped up on his name, Anjum Chowdhury. If you're looking for it on YouTube, you can see some of Eric's interviews, and they will chill you too. Uh, he looks by by every measure to be a professional businessman he was always well dressed his beard was trimmed and yet the words that came out of his mouth were all about tearing down the west so he i think he is the prototypical drop the radical pose for the radical means and you know that that kind of stuff scares me but now that he's in prison eric he's probably continuing to radicalize or convert more folks if he's in general population do you know where he is i'm not sure where he is mike that is a great question uh, but i'm sure he's the kind of guy who does not keep his beliefs to himself to say the least and you know now we see the bitter fruits of it, it really mike what we have right now 
uh, developing in the UK in places like France and Western Europe is almost an insurgency-type atmosphere where ISIS, its supporters, its sympathizers, they want to turn Western cities into mini guerrilla war zones where you're seeing attacks on a regular basis, London, Manchester, Nice, Paris, Brussels, Germany, again and again on a regular basis, and they're having great success. Look, this is a very successful strategy, low-tech, inexpensive attacks with maybe one, maybe three, four, five uh, people involved, car rammings, uh, guns, stabbings, low-tech, but, man, very effective, I'm sad to say, causes, number one, the psychological terror. And in terms of a guerrilla war zone type atmosphere that they want to create, Mike, look no further than thousands of British troops on the streets right now and thousands of French troops on the streets in Paris. Yeah. And it's it's not just going to do, as you've said, the psychological damage to the people who live and work there. It's also going to do the economic damage that they want to do because every strain on the system brings it closer to coming down in their minds. And in many cases, they're not wrong because they are stressing an already stressed system when they're doing both the social, uh, the social um, programs that they zap Mm -hmm. and now they're going to zap the governmental costs. Uh, Eric, I don't want to, you know, I know you've only got a limited amount of time. I don't want to lose. I have a couple questions for you. When you saw the president's announcement about, putting the move of the embassy, the U.S. embassy in Israel, on hold temporarily from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, I know your connection to Kufi. Do, mm-hmm. Was there a big letdown in that community when they heard that, that move? Yeah, I think, I think it's twofold, Mike. I think, yes, absolutely, we were disappointed. I, we made that clear to the administration. There was a letdown. But I think... On the other hand, President Trump, Vice President Pence in particular, have been very friendly to Israel and to our concerns and our viewpoint. And he signed the six-month waiver. Uh, I believe, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe he is eventually going to move the embassy. Uh, I think that is going to happen. Not right now. Uh, he did sign this waiver, which was disappointing, but I do believe he is going to eventually move the embassy. He made the promise during the campaign. So far, he's been pretty true to his campaign promises on a number of issues. And I do think he's going to move the embassy. The hesitancy, Mike, I think came, I saw a turn during, uh, or following, I should say, his February meeting with King Abdullah of Jordan uh, here in D.C. And I think King Abdullah really worked on him and said, hey, don't move the embassy right now. It's going to cause a firestorm in the Middle East. And my response to that is, there's already a firestorm in the Middle East. How can it get much worse than it already is? But <laughs> I think that kind of gave the president pause, and he's kind of he's given a try right now to you know the peace process. And I think the other thing with him is he's trying to kind of put together an Arab NATO, I guess you would say, with the Saudis, the Egyptians, the Jordanians, the Gulf states against the likes of ISIS and Iran. So I think he's got all that going on right now. But I do think eventually the embassy will move. Well, that's good to hear. I I also believe that the evangelical Christians will want to hear that, too. They supported him so strongly that to have that promise broken, I think, would hurt that relationship. Now, Eric, before you get out of here, what are we missing on on your Friday night show on TBN, and what do we need to look for this week? Yeah, Mike, I think the cool thing about the show is we're on the ground. We're on the ground in the Middle East. I'm in Israel at least four times a year. 
uh, getting great stuff. This week's actually a very interesting show. We have the 50-year anniversary right now of the Six-Day War. Hard to believe. During that war, Israel reunified Jerusalem, uh, took the Golan Heights, took the Sinai, which they later gave back to Egypt, uh, Judea, Samaria, the biblical heartland, the so-called West Bank. Israel expanded its borders big time during the epic Six-Day War. So we look at the 50-year anniversary of that, the ramifications of that. We're on the ground in Israel this Friday night, and we're talking about the reunification of Jerusalem, the embassy. We actually also get into the recent terror attacks in the U.K. a bit. So good stuff every week. We're bringing you the security perspective on the front lines, but also getting into the very cool historical kind of stories. I know Glenn would love, and and the Blaze viewers love, biblical history and uh, really fun stuff. Well, we love all history. Yeah, and speaking of Glenn, uh, before I cut you loose, I'm hosting for Glenn Thursday and Friday. If you have time Friday, I'm happy to work you into his schedule, and uh, let's talk about the show that night. Sounds great, Mike. I'd really appreciate the opportunity. That sounds great. You got it. I'll connect with you when we're done here. Eric Stackelbeck, you can follow him on Twitter. You can also watch Eric on uh, TBN Friday nights at 1030. Thank you, my friend. Take care. And there he goes. He's off into the abyss. And here I go. We'll be back after a break. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. While I was vamping for time waiting on Eric Stackelbeck, and I'm glad we got him, I was beginning to tell you the story of Robert Paler. He was part of the University of California rugby team, the team that won the college rugby championships this weekend. It's a tournament that's held here in the Northeast in Philadelphia. And uh, the team won the fifth time in a row that Cal has won the college rugby championship. But as I was saying, on May 6th, one of their members suffered a devastating sports injury that paralyzed him from the chest down. And the day of the injury, they took him in for surgery to try and help him, to try and regain movement. This 21, 22-year-old kid looks like he had his whole life ahead of him. And one freak incident on, on the rugby field apparently is going to leave him paralyzed. Robert is really strong and in the GoFundMe page is described as a, a young man with incredible faith, a wonderful family and friends to help him. However, it's going to cost a ton of money. The GoFundMe page says the Christopher Reeve Foundation says the average expense for a first-year high tetraplegia can be about a million dollars. So somewhere between 770000 and a million dollars for that first year of care. And right after the injury, this was posted... And I can tell you, they, they set a million-dollar goal. They're up to 662000 So if you, if you do so, if you are so inclined, 
Robert Paylor, P-A-Y-L-O-R. Robert Paylor is his name. There's a healing and rehab fund on uh, on GoFundMe. The emotion in his his coach's voice you you can't hide it. They these guys had just won the college championship. It's like winning the NCAA title in any major sport, and and yet there's no Gatorade toss. There's nothing. There's just the raw emotion on the sidelines. Here's the brief interview. Yeah, and I think Jack Clark summed that up best when he said, we're here in body only, but you do win the tournament, Jack. But how far, honestly, was rugby from everybody's mind the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty professional team in the fact that, you know, they can take care of business, and um, I'm really proud of how they've done it. I know it's an emotional time for you. How close were you guys not to even coming to this tournament, Jack? I mean, I mean, we thought about it long and hard, you know, just because, you know, we just... We just couldn't imagine going back and playing more rugby right then. But made the decision that we were going to um, meet all of our commitments, play it through. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy for the guys. They've shown a lot of will. And I know they were they pulled a lot of courage out of uh, Robert Paylor. I know you guys talked about you didn't want to have the theme of winning it for Robert. But now to be able to carry a trophy back home to him, the significance of that, Jack. Well, he, he'll be proud that we played hard. He will be. You can see the tears welling up in the coach's eyes. And it's it was a, a remarkable story that I didn't expect to stumble into. And yet, um, I'm a rugby fan, so I, I just happened to tune over during a break yesterday afternoon. Rebelling Rehab Fund, if you're on GoFundMe, I'll tweet out a link to it. If you're so inclined and you care and you can, do what you can. Michael Pelka on Puro Pelka. We'll be back after the break. Puro Pelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.